Bitcoin also is money for the people and by the people. So Bitcoin and democracy have something, you know, identical. <laughs> From the new home of Bitcoin and all things crypto, Peckham South London, I am Bitcoin by Amounts, and this is the Genesis Block Education Podcast. Welcome. I just want to say a big thank you to you. You download listening to it on YouTube or any other platform. Just thank you. We appreciate your time and we appreciate your continued support. Guys, just please make sure you are liking, sharing, commenting, and, and spread it by word of mouth. Just tell your friends about me. Right, on to today's show. So I really wanted to get out earlier, but we are where we Bitcoin versus police. And it's the second part of our Can Bitcoin Fix Nigeria series. And just to give a bit of context, the reason why we've chosen Nigeria as a country is not only that, my family originate from there and I go there quite frequently. I also think Nigeria is a great case study in terms of cryptocurrency and, and technology developments. So it's a country that I really think will be interesting to watch over the next few years and how it develops and how it integrates uh, innovations such as cryptocurrency to fix problems it has. So unless you've been living under a rock or you just don't have an access to social media at all, who has been in a grip of massive protests known as NSARS. And this following public outcry for the government to ban a special unit of the police known as SARS, um, AKA special anti robbery who have apparently been responsible for kidnappings, harassment, extortion, and extrajudicial killings. Basically everything they were there to on the 20th of October 2020, the post is where the Nigerian army opened fire on peaceful protesters on the Leki Tollgate in Lagos State, which led to a number of casualties and deaths, numbers of which have not yet been confirmed. One of the major things galvanising uh, the protest first were mainly made up of uh, youth and Nigeria's middle class, is the usage of technology and technology and mobilize their Bitcoin to fund them. When one of the major protest groups, the feminist coalitions, had their bank accounts frozen, Bitcoin was used as an alternative to fund the protest. So in a nutshell, the censorship resistant properties of Bitcoin is what's actually being used to help fund the protesters on the front line. And this is what we explore. In terms of a guest for this episode, I welcome back Rebecca Assay, who is a journalist, activist, and cryptocurrency educator based in Nigeria, who specializes in teaching cryptocurrency in broken English, which is also known as Pigeon. Rebecca is a friend of the podcast, having been a guest before, but she's also been on the front line of the protest. As you're going to probably tell from her voice, she's still a bit shaken up from the incidents that unfolded on the night of 20th October. By tapping into her Nigerian resilience, she really wanted to come onto the show and share her views and her thoughts with us, and we we're only too happy to have her. Now, for the hardcore Bitcoiners among us, this is probably not going to be the most Bitcoin technical, technically focused show that you're going to listen to. But in my opinion, it's really important that we hear the various discussions that surround Bitcoin. Without Bitcoin's censorship resistant qualities, Bitcoin has no value and Bitcoin is fundamentally a protest. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Over to you, Rebecca. Rebecca, how are you today? Um, I hope you're well. Yeah, Rebecca, how are you? Um, I'm doing fine. I'm okay. I'm doing very well. Now, it's really good to have you back on the show, um, especially considering the circumstances. Um, but again, I, I think this platform, um, we talk about technology, we talk about cryptocurrency, we talk about Bitcoin. And, and recently we've been talking about those subjects from the lens of Nigeria. I think it's really important that we are looking at all aspects and obviously these, these SARS protests, which have exploded over the last sort of few weeks, it's really important that we are touching upon 
what's going over there and, and what impact cryptocurrencies, uh, Bitcoin are having. Just to start off, I think a good point to start would be having a basic understanding for, for the listeners to understand um, what the SARS protests are about. Can you give a brief explanation as to what these protests are about or, or how it started? Let's go to ground zero. How, how did these protests start? Okay, um, the protest to end SARS. SARS is um, um, an arm of the police. They are called the Special Anti-Robbery Squad. It has started way back since 2017, you know. Um, it's, a, it's an on and off protest, you know. Um, but um, recently, the, it just sparked off because people are tired of the police brutality, the extortion, the extrajudicial killings and all. And, you know, it just blew off. Uh, personally, I think what started off this um, protest was a killing that happened, I think, in Otakot of a guy called um, GBK Daniel. Uh, you know, the guy was um, he was shot dead, and I think it was he was an up and coming musician. And then, um, this, the fact that there was a video of the father crying, you know, and lamenting, and that video touched the hearts of you know a lot of Nigerians, and that sparked off the protest. So, it wasn't something that started today, right. something that has been you know, it's like, um, it, you know, just pent-up anger against sure. the police force and against the lack of system because you know we hear that um a policeman has been arrested we don't see justice being carried out so and then if justice is actually carried out why aren't the other policemen you know you know acting cautious like okay justice has been carried out so let me you know pipe down or something but it's just pent-up anger against them lack of system so i i've heard the ntars protest um for a few months before all of this happened i follow omoyele shore who's a aspiring uh, politician also he heads up sahara sorry and he's very on the forefront of um sort of progress and progressive ideas within nigerian politics but just going back to sars why was this unit set up what was the security situation in Nigeria that the government thought that they had to set SARS up? Um, okay, um, SARS was set up, I think, in 1992. Um, to wow, stop, okay. Um, robberies. You know, there were lots of armed robberies going on in Nigeria, and then they, they needed a special squad to deal with this situation. So that was why it was set up. But, like, I would say, in my own opinion, I feel that um, SAS, um, setting up SARS was, was not actually the needed thing. You know, it was just um, like killing the symptoms and not the disease. Right. You know, we're basically treating the symptoms instead of the disease. So, but, but at that particular time, you know, there were lots of robberies. You know, traveling from one point in Nigeria to another point was difficult. So, uh, there were a lot of kidnappings also. So, it was needed at that time. And it's still needed now, actually, but um, it's just that um, it's now like they, they left what they were supposed to do, and then they started doing something else. So right. people feel, well, since robberies are not that frequent anymore, we don't see the need for you. But actually, there is still a need mm -hmm. um, for us, but I think they just need to have um, a bit of... Um, I, I don't know how to describe, but th that particular um, squad needs to have, let's say, lesser power than they do. Now. Where, where were the SARS task force recruited from? Was it within the police? Was it within the army? How were they mobilized? Um, basically, they mobilized from. It's just like police rec recruits. You have people from anywhere can just get into the um, force. They could recruit them from. The police force or from elsewhere but basically they, they were normal nigerians right although some people do say that uh, most of these SARS people are criminals but that's really not true they are just you know normal police recruits 
I think there was an announcement, I can't remember from who, um, that SARS has now been demobilised. Is this an announcement that, that has been made many times before? Is this a promise that has been made many times before and that has been broken? Fourth. It has been suspended, they have been disbanded, they have been, you know, just different verbs. Yes, okay. Operational. And you know what's worse is the fact that now we don't know if we should say it's the SARS that are the problem or the police force itself. Right, so okay. So basically we are just tired of police brutality in totality, like we don't care. Whether it's the police, whether it's SARS, whether it's the army, we just don't want, we want to have right to live and right to be treated fairly. Just in terms of my experience of going to Nigeria, there's always been sort of a, a narrative of, or a caricature of the Nigerian police being sort of incompetent, lacking training and obviously corrupt. H has this violence aspect always been there? Or is this something that has intensified over the years? It has always been there. Um, when we were, when I was a child, if you want to scare a child into doing something, you tell the child that I'll call the police for you. Right. You know? And then it scares them. So th there's this fear and distrust of the police force. Right. You, know, you have an issue and you, you are scared to go to the police. And that is not supposed to be so. Domestic violence, you go to the police, they will tell you um, this family issue, you settle it amongst yourself, you know. These are then issues of rape, you go to the police, the, the tendency of you getting blamed for getting raped is very yeah. high, yeah. you know. Yeah. So these are some of the issues that we want to have addressed. So the, the, there's a distrust, there's a very, very huge distrust between the citizens and the police force. So so that's what kicked off the SARS protest. Um, so just to kind of fire back on a few things around the, the, the police. Again, the police are Nigerian citizens, right? And we could both agree on that. So what is the average... So I've done my research, but I just want to hear it from you to, to corroborate my research. What is the average salary of a police constable in, in Nigeria? Level, yeah, as low less than five hundred dollars. I think about one hundred and eight thousand naira in a year. One hundred and eight. Wow. And so what? It, that's what five hundred dollars a year. Yes, less than. Less than. Yes. So. Because, um, the if we use the current price of dollar. Yes, course, naira, course. T-Money. So we're saying they earn about under five hundred dollars a year, and yeah, these are people, and and these are people essentially that are given a AK forty five, and and so and being told go out there and and, and <laughs> I mean you're essentially creating a criminal, right? Yeah. yeah. This, because there's this um, idiom, an hungry man is an 
angry man, you know. Yes, um, totally. You, you don't arm an angry man. And they don't have, you know, regular, you know, police weapons, maybe a baton or a pistol. They have combat rifles, AK-47. And most of them don't even know how to handle these weapons, which leads to maybe... Um, um, accidental discharge and once somebody dies by accidental discharge nobody's disciplined for it so um, you know that's one of the biggest challenge get them the proper equipment and then pay them more salary too. are we saying that I guess a conversation between you, you and me are we saying that part of the, the, the cause of police brutality is essentially the um directly linked to the, how police are underpaid and undervalued in Nigeria's society. It, would you say that's part of it? That is part of it. That is really not the, the whole Of course, issue. of course, of because course. Because most times I think the police are a reflection of the society. Yes. But part of it is the fact that they are not well paid. And aside that, there is no system. There is no system. If there is a system of check and balances, then the police force will not get as powerful and as unruly as they are today. And just to put some context in there, the average salary, so I was just looking at this this morning, the average salary of a Nigerian senator is half a million dollars versus a US senator, which is $175,000. So US uh, US politicians are paid much less than Nigerian politicians and have a much bigger GDP. So it just kind of gives a context of how the price of politics in Nigeria is, well, basically, is being consumed by the, 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 the government. The majority of the budget goes to politicians, right? Yes. That's insane. Absolutely insane. Are there any people who are protesting on the side of the police? Because in the, in the US, we had a... Uh, Blue Lives Matter, <laughs> which was, uh, I guess, to discredit the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, is there a similar pro-police protest happening in Nigeria? There will always be. There will always be a side for and a side against. So there were some groups, you know, who came up to say, um, um, SARS, we're, um, we're protecting them against cyber crimes and all that. And, you know, against robberies that they want SARS. Now, that's not a problem if you want SARS. We are not actually saying that there should, no, there should be no squad that will not deal with robbery and cybercrime. Cybercrime, that was why EFCC was created. Um, there should be other groups to deal with them, but for now, end SARS and then set up a, a platform that the police force will get reformed. But, you know, Humans will always be humans. We can't do anything about, you know, people like that. What's, what's happened in the last week? Because it seems to have been escalated. What are the key... I mean, obviously, we know what happened on the 20th of October, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But can you just kind of give an overview of what's happened over the last week and, and where the protests are now? Okay, over the last week... Um, we saw Nigerian youths come together in a way that has never happened. Yeah. You know, all my life I've never seen Nigerian youths come together over a unifying um, platform that is not entertainment. You know, we came together, there were donations made for people to get fed on the protest ground, there were donations made for people who had lost their loved ones, you know, due to police brutality. There were donations for, there was this young lady that was an amputee. They made donations for, to get her um, a protestic leg mm -hmm. in less than two hours. Wow. So it's just so, the, the love, the unity was so, so great. And in that, during the protest, you know, um, uh, the donation link was revoked, so they had to revert to um, receiving donations by Bitcoin. And then somewhere in the protest, somewhere in the midst of the protest, it got horrible. And then the police started shooting at the innocent protesters that were unharmed. 
holding the Nigerian flag, you know, during the protest, um, lots of information were going out that the Nigerian army will not shoot at you if you are holding the Nigerian flag. So, okay. You know, a lot of people were holding the Nigerian flags, you know, and well, they, they, they were they were shot at and the army denied shooting mm. and said that the video that was made by um, DJ Switch who happened to be live on that um, she, she made a, a, an Instagram live video wow you know, and then the, the, the army said that the video was doctored and so it's not valid that it was um, she used green screen or whatever and it was a fake video wow and then um, on t- uh, sometime was it on Tuesday or Wednesday um, the president gave um, a speech and asked everybody to calm down and that things were going to be fixed and just ask us to get back to our normal lives and a lot of Nigerians were just so you know demoralized and sad and everything but I'm just going to just hold on to the fact that we came together and then we stood for something. That that is that is just how I want to remember the protest that we came together and then we fought for something in unity. Where has the bulk of the protest taken place? Is is it just in Lagos or is it spread across the country? It was spread across the country, but it started in Lagos. Um, the bulk of the protest was in Lagos, which is why Lagos took the biggest hit mm-hmm. um, when um, hoodlums hijacked the protest. But the protest started in Lagos, and then Abuja, they were protesting Delta State, they were protesting in Ibadan, or your state, they were protesting in Jaws, they were protesting in, I think they were just protesting all over Nigeria. It was just, you know, people. The the NSAS protest was just um, like um, a ripple effect. Yeah. You know, uh, SARS was... Network effect. What we like to call the scapegoats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And SARS was it. So, but it was just a protest against bad governance, a protest against a lot of things. We want a system that works. So that was just what the protest was what groups were on the forefront of this protest? Because there seems to be no leader. I don't think there should personally be a leader. It should be f- from the grassroots and from everybody across the board, young and old, male, female. But what, what were the key groups who were behind the protest? Okay, for the protest, um, from the onset, there was no leader. Everybody wanted to, it to be a protest by the people for the people. But... Um, I, I would like to say that a group that has been held accountable for the fi- finances and all uh, was um, the Feminist Coalition Group. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are a feminist group, a group for women, and then, you know, they they have been so... In fact, they did something that Nigerians are not used to seeing, something that the government should be doing, but they aren't. They were so accountable, they were so transparent with all the funds received and... You know, people knew exactly how much was spent on what mm-hmm. and how much was left. And that is something we are not used to seeing as Nigerians. Mm-hmm. We are not used to having a government that is transparent. So I, I think that's the only group I would like to talk about. Yeah. Because yeah. they were at the forefront of the finance aspect. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel Nigerians or Nigerian youth stood up on this occasion? Because... Certainly, I've heard it from sort of older Nigerians about Nigerian youth being docile and and passive, and just accepting of things. Why? Why on this occasion did Nigerian youth stand together and and stand up? Why, what What do you feel is different about this protest? Like I said earlier, Nigerians are resilient people. You know, basically nothing gets to us. We are. You know, very happy people. We like to laugh. We like to have fun. You know, but we also want to live. You know, nobody wants to die. Nobody just. Well, we know we are all going to die. Mm. At least, not just getting shot and then nobody there accountable for your death. Mm. So I think one of the reasons that sparked the protest was the fact that a lot of youths came to the realization that if we don't do something now. 
we are all going to end up dead. And it, as much as you know, a lot of Nigerians would like to say they want to leave the country. We are over two hundred million people. Which other country? <laughs> Where do you want to go? We yeah. Are so Too much. <laughs> yeah. Where are we going to? Yeah. And then the, the sad part that you know, if you leave, you have to come back. So I still coming back. There, there, there are lots of people who traveled out from from wherever they were and came back and still died. So we want is is a a country that is safe for us to live. And then a lot of people are getting involved in tech. And then the sad part is the, the fact that I don't know. I, it seems there's a break in transmission between the older and the younger generation about what technology is. It's, it's so bad that, the, considering the electricity situation, where yeah. you have to be your own, you know, electrical company generator. <laughs> a lot of people Crazy. Are solar waste, so you don't have to, you know, constantly put on uh, generators sure. and alert people to what you're doing. You know, and then you stay home every day and then they don't call the police on you because of cyber crime because the, the, the ideology is if you have a laptop and then you are always at home then you must be involved in cyber crime and now the police really use this as an avenue. yes the police use this as an avenue to extort you so you get extorted you, people collect money from you and it doesn't matter what you say so long as they can see a conversation between you and somebody outside nigeria well I don't want this to come out wrong, uh, but I'll ask it anyway. So in terms of the NSARS protest, obviously this was a protest against police oppression. And a lot of the stories were around people who either came from abroad, who had dreadlocks, who had laptops, who had things of value taken off them it wasn't really about the fact that they don't have drinking water in their village or something a bit more basic so were the protests coming mostly from middle class nigerians or was this across the class uh spectrum i think i think the protest started from middle class nigerians right. but it got hijacked by the lower class um because the middle class wanted safe environment you know a safe environment and just allow us to live do your job and you know try to understand that um i am not a criminal and then just let things go through the right process that, that was basically what they were asking for the mm -hmm. right process you know when you ask somebody okay you are not only the police are not supposed to go through your phones but it doesn't matter what you say. You can't tell them that they drag into the, their vehicles and then take it to the police station. And, you know, sometimes they wouldn't even allow you to call your lawyer. So um, that's how bad it is. So it started from the middle class. Right. But then everybody, everybody, with the exception of maybe the 1% wealthy class, mm -hmm. everybody has had, you know, um, an issue with the police. Right. Everybody. So basically, they, they started with dress the way you want to be addressed. And I'm like, okay, if you want people to dress the way they want to be addressed, you don't shoot at somebody just because they are not dressed in the way you want them to be. So you, you aren't supposed to have tattoos or have dreadlocks or, you know, dress too richly. And it, it, the, the excuses just were baseless. They, they weren't sensible. So it started from the middle class. And right. Then it spilled over. And mm -hmm. then the lower class then turned it into chaos. So right, right. now it's chaos. Right, okay. So how much do you feel that the lower and middle class have to be united in order to see some sort of change? The lower and the middle class have to be united. What I think Nigeria needs currently is more um, upper class more middle class and less lower class. Now, the problem we have currently is the fact that it's poverty. You know, people, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I, I can't remember where I heard this from. Um, the poor will eat the rich. I, I saw something like that. The poor will eat the rich. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a problem. 
the poor do not have access to the rich. They have access to the middle class. Yeah. So the poor will not eat the rich. The poor will eat the middle class. Right. And then the middle class are just barely getting by. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think in, in, in the eyes of most of those at the lower class, they feel once you have something that they don't have, then you are wealthy. And that is not how wealth is defined. Right. You know, you have a generator, you can give yourself electrical supply. I can't, then you are wealthy. That is not how wealth is defined. You mm -hmm. have a car and I don't have a car, then you are. That, that's not what defines wealth. But mm -hmm. to them, that's what defines wealth. And so they will get attacked. So a lot of a lot of businesses have been looted. A lot of businesses have been burned to the ground. You know, just because of the protest. Right. And right. It, it, it started from hunger, from a point of hunger. These people are hungry. You know, they are angry and yeah. they, they are lashing out at anybody. And yes. Would you say that the protests have taken a, a direction that it wasn't expected or have failed or wh where is everybody now where, what is everybody's stance the protest has, uh, did not fail mm -hmm. um, the stance currently is we are going back to the drawing board or um, and I think the stance is to educate those at the grassroots level mm -hmm. you know the lower classes you have to educate them you have to let them know that if you continue selling your votes you are going to still remain here right you know, there is nothing you can do about it you are going to remain here now we are educating people know your right it is your right to vote and it's your right to vote for your conscience you don't vote because they give you 500 naira for or 5000 naira for four years and then you have to suffer and th th there's always the tendency of re-election you know mm -hmm. running for second term and then you still vote that same person back into power you are going to suffer so that is what people are trying to do now we are trying to go back to the grassroots you know educate more people get more youth into the system mm -hmm. and try as much as possible to kick the old um cabal the old leaders out. <laughs> that, that's going to be a very huge fight but yeah that, that's the plan the plan is to get the people to know that it's your rights the wealth of in Nigeria does not belong to a particular set of people. Yeah. It's for everybody and it has to go round. The Commonwealth, that is what it's called. So what was the five point manifesto of the protesters? Just five requests that and it's it's a simple request. Um, you know, persecute the officers who have NSAS yeah. officers who have been accused of you know extrajudicial killings or human rights abuses persecute them then set up a platform to um compensate p and families who had lost loved ones to the protest and reform the police so i, I can't remember the last one but those are basic protests yeah basic requests mm -hmm. we weren't asking for anything you know to big or anything impossible when asking for Mount Olympus we just <laughs> wanted simple thing you know persecute the officers and then they are saying we should give them two weeks or and this is when they wanted to ban bikes in Lagos and end the, the livelihoods of people it took them they did it overnight you know just woke up next morning and people in Lagos were stranded you couldn't go to work because you know your daily source of commute has been you know, destructed. Then why is it taking you this long to persecute officers who have been accused? The protests would have just ended peacefully and calmly if the government has, has just, you know, and, you know, giving the people what they wanted. Just as, just like that. How much of this do you think is just the fact that Nigerians have to reform their own sort of consciousness about each other? just have a bit more respect for life and just appreciation for other Nigerians. And obviously I'm on the outwards looking in. Um, it looks to me as just Nigerians don't appreciate other Nigerians. Um, I'll, say, I'll say that's that's not true. Okay. Um, because, you know, I think that's the ideology that we, 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 we grew up with, but yeah. that's the ideology that the upper class or the ruling class yeah. like to pass across. Right, okay. They always make it to seem like it's 
it's a case of one party against the other party and that is not the way it's supposed to be um although yeah i do have some issues that i think those are just different issues but currently nigerians during this protest showed how much we love each other how much we understand the fact that if it is good for one person it is good for the other person yeah basically nigeria is a communal society right from time immemorial we have been a communal society if you go down you know history lane you see that communities have contributed money to send you know one of their uh, sons or daughters out of the country and when the person goes out the person comes back and then help the others that is how we have always been but the narrative that the ruling class has imputed you know um, in our minds the fact that uh, one part is bad they always try to bring the issue of tribe tribalism yeah. the issue of ethnicity into it and that is not the case the case right now is that we want a system that works if the system works if there, there, there are no checks and balances even in the, the arms of government there are no checks and balances if there are checks and balances things will work so basically, that is the, it's not the issue that Nigerians don't love one another. We do. Nigerians are loving people. We love one another. It's just a case of, you know, people People are taught to hate. People, we're not born to hate each other. Yeah. We're taught hatred. So, Nigerian, from my own perspective and from what I've seen this past few weeks, I don't think there is anybody that will tell me that Nigerians are not loving people. You needed to see how fast donations were made for people, how fast people responded, people who had their shops looted. Currently, they are, they are raising for And these are not governmental funds. Yeah. These are from individuals. Individuals are coming together and asking, if you know that your shop was looted, send a message to this person so that we could help you out. You know, I, I don't know what else, what, what other word I can yeah. use to yeah. describe love. Yeah. And, and so, did you feel when you were in the protest that you were fighting for the future of of, of Nigeria? Did, how how important did it feel for you to be part of these protests as a Nigerian? I had one thought, you know, um, my 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 dad was born in nineteen sixties, hmm. and I was like, my dad must have protested, or my dad must have, you know. Uh, been involved in the 1993 um, yes. election protest or riot, and my dad is still alive, and then there is another protest going on. If we don't fix it now, by the time I'm in my 60s or in my 50s, I might still have to protest again. It doesn't make any sense, mm. and we are still protesting against the same thing. So why don't we just, you know, solve it once and for all, and they know that, well, in the future, if our children are going to be protesting about something, it's going to be something different. Maybe then our kids may have the leisure of protesting against climate change. Something else, except bad government against me, more about building a future where something different will happen. Even if there's, there's going to be a protest in the future, it has to be a protest on something different, not something my parents protested about, I protested about it, and then yeah. my kids will continue the protest too. Was there genuine, was there genuine shock that the Nigerian army opened its guns to its civilians? Was that something that the protesters thought they would never happen, or was it, was there genuine shock? In in this day and age, that they still go to that that level, were people surprised by that? People were surprised. People were hurt. I I think for that night, in fact, up till yesterday night, I I was still crying because I, the, the the whole incident has just been like, you know, these are humans. Yeah, so, totally. You know, we treat animals better. We have activists fighting for don't cage the chickens, uh, um, rage-free cows, um, people adopting dogs, people tr- treating animals better. These are humans. Like, So it, it, it was a very huge shock. A lot mm-hmm. of people were crying. 
you know, and today I also felt guilty. I, I left the house, I went to church, and I, I felt guilty, like, you know, these are people sh who should be alive right now, and then they are dead. And then there are claims that nobody died, and it's still baffling, because I'm like, is this how much human lives are worth? Hmm. But there, there's a lot of shock. There's a lot of shock. There's a lot of, a lot of shock. Okay. So what are the Nigerian politicians and I guess uh, well, we could talk about Buhari but I'd rather not but what are the Nigerian politicians on the ground actually saying sort of heads of state, governors how are they looking at this? Are they looking at this as Nigerians coming together at first which is being taken over by I guess hoodlums in, in, in some aspects where there's been looting or are they just trying to just brush this off as just noise? Did they did they see this as a a change, uh, a change in paradigm for the youth? I think to the, the politicians, like a friend said, she said we are fighting against people who have been in power for over sixty years. Yes, they have been in the game. They they, they have played this game over and over again they know how well to play the game and we, we, we just we, we didn't want a big fraction of the cake we just wanted something small and they don't want to give it to us um so i i just think politics wise they're not taking us serious so i think but they know the power of unity right now so which is why i like i said earlier that this thing has nothing to do with tribe and the nigerians love themselves we love ourselves rather and i think um we should just go through another direction you know we should not play this game the same way they have always played it so we are going to take the, likely the youth are going to come up with another idea another direction other than what has always been so let's talk about bitcoin and the nsars protest could you kind of give a little overview of how bitcoin has been used to sort of fund and and support the front lines of these protests um, so when the protest um, started and then it got intense, um, there were reports that the links used for donations were revoked, and then some of the um, um, the people were receiving donations through their bank accounts that the accounts were frozen or um, something like that. So when that happened, you know, people decided let's go the Bitcoin way. Um, which is why you know he said the middle class were the ones who were involved in the protest so sure. they went the bitcoin way and then people were donating by bitcoin and um the protests continued um and then you know the fear of the protests getting violent when, after the shootings of um, october 20th people were scared maybe it was going to turn into something else and then people started you know, keeping their money in Bitcoin. But I had lots of people ask me, um, Rebecca, please, how can I buy Bitcoin to people? If I, I had so many people that did not even have a Bitcoin wallet, ah, Bitcoin addresses, they wanted to start buying Bitcoin. And I was like, uh, okay, I hope this is not fear talking. You have to understand what you are getting into. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was just so, the, the, what it showed was the fact that, um, you know, if the government, like, like I like to, like, like in, in an article I wrote recently, I said, um, democracy is government for the people, uh, government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Right. Bitcoin also is money for the people and by the people. So Bitcoin and democracy have something, you know, identical. So people want to be able to control their funds themselves. And I think um, what also prompted the fear was the fact that um, the 1993 crisis, a lot of people lost their properties, they lost their livelihoods and all that. And by the time they came back, you know, they, I think they were given about 20 pounds or so. I, I, I think that was after the, 
The 20 pound zone was after the Biafran war. Okay. So people lost their livelihoods. So trusting the banks that if something happens during this crisis and then it affects the banks, maybe banks get bonds down and all that, mm-hmm. I might not get my money back. Wow. So I think that fear was what spurred people into buying Bitcoin because they are afraid that I don't know what will happen to the banks. And if something happens to the banks, the likelihood of me getting my money back will be very, very low. So why don't I just go to Bitcoin that is internet money and I know that as long as I have my private keys, I can get back my money. So I think that is part of the reasons why you know a lot of people went to Bitcoin there. So in the protest, did the censorship resistant uh, value of Bitcoin become more important? The fact that no one could take over your money or have control of your money, did that become a really important factor for people? Yes, the fact it was a very very important factor. In fact, lots if you if you read the if you follow the um, hashtag in uh, MSAS, on Twitter, you would see how excited people were. People were so excited about the fact that you know Bitcoin was being used. People were excited about the fact that now they know that you know this is a way to bypass the federal government and then have your money secured. But then, like I like to say, it's not something that is new. You know, no. the people in Venezuela have been using this for a long time. People in Zimbabwe also sure. have been using Bitcoin to you know. Um, bypass inflation and all that but it's something that was very new to Nigerians especially you know Bitcoin was something that was just you know known to a selected few Bitcoin even became more popular this year due to the pandemic and of course so anxious to make you know extra source of income and the cryptocurrency got introduced to them through Ponzi scheme but now people are getting to understand you know that Bitcoin is more just more than you know, a get rich quick scheme and um, all that. So, other than sort of Bitcoin, how how much did technology and the youth's um, comfort with technology? How much did that prove as a as a means to kind of co- coordinate the protest and get everybody sort of aligned? Was social media imperative to the protest? started in the first place mm-hmm. um, well one thing I would like to say is the fact that what technology has shown is the fact that a lot of history a lot, a lot, a lot of history must have been erased because people did not write it down people did not capture 100%. that history yeah. and we can see it evidence from um, what we have right now if there was no technology, if there were no Instagram live video, if there were no um, videos, you know, during the protest, people were using their cameras to, to capture um, the videos of police brutalizing um, people, we would not have heard, you know, we would not have known what was happening. It might have just been, you know, one of incidents that, oh, somebody was killed and, well, we would have brushed it off. But the videos and all just brought it to the forefront that we are actually up against something that has to go. So technology really helped. Um, technology helps in the fact that fundraising was fast and effective. Technology helped us to get fundraising so fast, get um, blood donations, mm-hmm. because you know, the announcements on social media um, please, we need blood, we need donors, and people donated blood so fast. So technology, social media was a very, very important tool during this protest. So in, just in terms of the outside tech community, was there a lot of support? So I, I hear Twitter mentioned quite a bit. Was there sort of a lot of support from the outside global community uh, for these protests? Diaspora also helped. Um, there were lots of donations coming in from people in diaspora, and then mm-hmm. there were lots of support because they also started their own protests in whatever. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, all over the yeah. It helps to see the fact that even while we're protesting at home, people out there were also protesting. They were also lending their voices, and it was a really huge source of encouragement. 
Um, but from um, from what I could see is the fact that people outside, they also want to come back home and they want to come to a safe environment. So that was also key to them protesting because it's not just them protesting for us back here. They're also protesting for themselves because if Nigeria is a better place, we will have better representation out there. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, other countries respect us as, not just as individuals who are intelligent and hardworking, but as individuals who come from a country that, you know, has a system that works and a country that would help us in time of need. So I think that was part of the reasons why we had lots of support from um, Nigerians in diaspora. Whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's cryptocurrency, do you feel that within within the youth that there is the innovation to to come up with a plan over the next few years to contest the the, the cabal um a lot of people in fact during the course of the protest you know they came up with uh, i think was it ydp youth development party mm. they had the logo it was just so exciting <laughs> and people were like they want the youth to rule i think i saw another one yesterday that was a youth progressive party so people want the youth to lead. So I think I just think something good is something good has already come out of this yeah. One, we have realized that Nigerians are loving people. Nigerians can come together in unity, and we have realized that tribe is not the problem. No. The problem is again the political elites and the people. It is not you know, one tribe versus the other tribe, even though that is what they always try to make it seem. They always try to pit us against each other, but that is not the case. The case is about the political elites and then the people. That is what the case is about. Has there been an increase in demand for Bitcoin uh, as a result of the protest? Because there's protest currently going on in Belarus, uh, which is pretty much for, um, fighting against the same situation as in Nigeria and Belarus has seen a 2k premium on the price of Bitcoin is that something that's been seen in Nigeria is there being sort of increased demand and increased price of Bitcoin yes there's been an increase in the price of Bitcoin um, but um, I, I really don't know if I would say that the protest was the reason why um, Bitcoin price increased because uh, simultaneously while the protest was ongoing, um, um, voting elections were ongoing in America. Yeah, of course. And, you know, we really can't say what would have caused the spike in price. But I would say that demand for Bitcoin in Nigeria definitely increased. Definitely... So there, there was a lot of demand for Bitcoin in Nigeria. People are now, in fact, Today, somebody asked me about, the, the, uh, most of them don't understand what it is, so they, they, they call it online money. So, ah, okay. Uh, um, he heard that I was into online money, so I had to, uh, like, online money, can you specify? You mean Ponzi schemes? Because I'm not, I'm not involved in any Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So you have to let me know what you mean by online money. He said, um, you know, it's coin, one coin. So I said, oh, Bitcoin. He said, yes. I said, okay, <laughs> uh, okay, Bitcoin is money. Yeah. Money online. So I mm. guess you can call it online money. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are interested in Bitcoin. And I, I think the demand increased. But we cannot see if um, the incest protest was the reason why what? demand in Bitcoin increased. Now people have seen the power of bitcoin and the utility of bitcoin there's an opportunity to train and upskill youth on how to use bitcoin and its power you think that opportunity has created itself um i think the opportunity has always been there yeah. but now it was you know bring the opportunity to a wider range of people yes so totally right now i think people who have always been talking about Bitcoin in Nigeria, people who have always educated people about Bitcoin in Nigeria can now have, you know, a wider range of audience to talk to them about Bitcoin. Um, but I don't think it has created a new opportunity. There has always been an opportunity to, you know, trade or talk about Bitcoin. There's always, there's always a reason to talk about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in Africa. Full stop. There's always a reason. Yeah. So what is your view moving forward 
as a result of these protests. What are the immediate next steps for the youth of Nigeria? Um, I, I can't say for, you know, the larger group. I can't say for others. But for me, the next step, you know, a lot of people are planning to leave Nigeria. Um, I really don't want to leave Nigeria. I love Nigeria. I, I love its home. To me, it's the only home I've known all my life. All my loved ones are here. And even if I want to leave Nigeria, I don't just want to run away. But for me, moving forward, I think the next step will be educating people. Not just about financial wealth alone. You have to educate people about their rights as humans. You have to educate people about their rights as citizens of Nigeria. You know, a lot of people do not know that we employ our politicians. Mm. That the politicians are employed by us. They are our servants. We actually tell them what to do. A lot of Nigerians do not know that we can recall a sitting senator. You know, you can recall a senator and say, oh, since you're not working, come home. We don't need you. Let somebody else do the job. Mm. So education is key. Just the same way we keep saying that educating people about Bitcoin matters. You have to educate people about Bitcoin simultaneously. Like I said, Bitcoin and democracy, they have the same connotation. So yeah. we have to educate people about Bitcoin about cryptocurrency, and then we also have to educate them about um, the government, about politics, about knowing their rights, about not selling their votes. If you trade Bitcoin, you can make the same money that the politicians is going to give you at the polling units to sell their votes. So why don't you trade Bitcoin and then vote your conscience? Do you think the protest will be something that we will see more of, like defiance of how Nigeria is currently working? I mean. Certainly from my parents' generation, I've never seen my parents get up and protest. They, I've heard them complain, but I've never seen, seen them get up. This is something very different. Do you feel that the youth will be emboldened to get up and, and do it again and continue to do it in a peaceful way? Would they be scared off by the incidents of, of, of the 20th? Are, are the youth ready to die for this? started saying they want to leave so it's just obvious to see that um, the reason why our protest our parents didn't protest was a case of broken spirit mm -hmm. you know they broke their spirit and when your spirit is broken you can't fight so the only way we can be able to fight back again or demand for what for what is rightfully ours is if we can preserve our spirit and this past few weeks has shown that, you know, um, it's really, really not easy to fight something that you don't even understand. It's really not easy. So the only thing we can do currently is to keep hope alive, keep our fighting spirits and stay alive. Because there's a saying that he who fights and runs needs to fight another day. Mm -hmm. So that is the only thing that we can do. We have to keep our fighting spirit. We have to keep up our life. You know, we, we must not give up. Definitely, definitely. Somewhere in the future, Nigeria will be the country of our dreams. We will have the Nigeria of our dreams. So, uh, Rebecca, if people want to donate and support the NTAS protest, do you have any links or, or details of any groups where people can either... Yeah. Families Coalition Group have uh, been receiving donations, but I think um, I think they stopped receiving donations. Sure. So I, I don't think there's any donations being made currently, but they still have some GoFundMe, you know, for people who lost their lives, yeah. who lost loved ones. We do have some GoFundMe links for for them, but the official Feminist Coalition groups that was receiving donations i think they stopped receiving donations currently no i just i just want to thank you for just making time out i know it's quite an emotional time in the country it was really sort of important to engage with you and just really get a feel for what's happening but rebecca thank you i'm going to leave the last word to you can bitcoin change in nigeria you know we, we asked this question the last time and you know i think we can see we Bitcoin can change Nigeria. 
Bitcoin can change Nigeria. People can um, see that they have the right to hold their finances in their hands. And, you know, it, it's, it's a very, very huge, um, huge turnaround seeing that people can have their money and not be afraid of war, that even if war breaks out, you know, my money is safe somewhere. So Bitcoin as Bitcoin is just, I don't just know how to describe it, but it is a wonderful thing. And it has shown that people can also come together to create a change for themselves. And we, I think I, I, I have to say a very huge thank you to Satoshi Nakamoto for having the courage to publish the Bitcoin white paper. And I also say a big thank you to um, people who started the NSAS protest because it takes a lot of courage to stand up in the face of, uh, of corruption, in the face of brutality. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Satoshi. We are grateful. Thank you, Rebecca. Much appreciated and always good to talk to you. Hopefully when we catch up next time, it will be more on a, on a more positive vibe, but I look forward to it anyway. Take care. Wow. What do you think? Powerful stuff. It's really refreshing and, and important to get a view from someone who's not just reporting, but someone who's actually on the ground of the protest. And, and, I, and I really feel we got that today. I'm going to be honest. As someone who goes to Nigeria uh, quite quite frequently and as someone who, who is of Nigerian origin, I would never have put police brutality on the top of the list of Nigerian problems. And, I mean, it's clearly, it's clearly a real problem and it's clearly always been a problem. Um, and it's probably something that I didn't really know. I mean, obviously, I noticed police taking money off of people. That's standard. But in terms of murders, extrajudicial killings, on the level that I've uh, heard in the last few uh, few days or few weeks, uh, I am actually astonished. Um, but that said, I do feel these protests are much more than police brutality. Um, I almost feel as if police brutality has been used as a conduit to protest against so many other things like uh, like corruption, lack of direction, lack of leadership, so many problems which are boiling at the surface. Nigeria is like many other places in the world which are going through significant changes uh, where there is protest going on. And just to, just to just to reel off a few, Venezuela, Belarus, Hungary, Turkey, Lebanon, all these countries are experiencing chronic devaluation of their currencies and, and, and basically under the thumb of authoritative governments. So there's a lot going on. Change in Nigeria is a must. Nigeria is not sustainable how it is currently running. And that's based on its population. Um, some say it's 200 million. I would probably say if you actually did a real sentence and encountered people, it would probably be closer to 300 million. There's a lot of people there. Also the demographic. I think it's around 70% of the population is under the age of 30. That's insane. And when you have a country with with a of uh, struggling GDP and chronic poverty, it's simply unsustainable. And it will probably topple over if there is not radical changes soon to how the country's governed. That's just a given. Um, this is probably the first time uh, I've seen a, a Nigerian youth protest. I think it's the first time many Nigerians, even at my dad, even my dad's generation and my parents' generation, have probably seen Nigerians stand up. And there, there are a lot of older Nigerians who are standing up from the sidelines cheering, <laughs> which is good. Which is good, and 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 cheering on the youth because I think this is something that they've wanted to see happen. They've wanted the the youth stand up and and be counted and take control of their destiny. And I think that's what we're seeing happen now. Um, and the youth have managed to do this through um, tribal or ethnic lines, 
across the whole of the the wealth divide um and they've managed to come together and and I think a lot of young Nigerians and Nigerians in general are probably shocked by the how they've come together so I don't see this going away I see this being a continue things the protests may have died down but I would imagine what you are going to be seeing is the youth going away to lick their wounds and plot and plan and they're probably going to come back for the elections or something similar in the next few years this is all about leadership this is all about progression and as I said in my podcast a few weeks ago as a conclusion Nigerian youth are innovative hardworking, resilient, aspirational, and they are tech savvy. So technology is really going to play a big part in whatever change that country sees. So technology, by technology, social media, yes, but also Bitcoin, because you've got to fund your movement. Bitcoin is protest. And I always say that Bitcoin is protest. And Bitcoin is strongly linked to democracy. What you're probably going to see as a result of these protests is a growing number of youth who strongly believe in the revolutionary power of Bitcoin. Bitcoin's censorship-resistant quality is fundamentally what gives Bitcoin value. Governments can't stop Bitcoin. They can attack protesters. They can inflict violence upon them. Um... They can even put them in jail and torture them, but they can't stop Bitcoin. And they can't stop people putting Bitcoins in the hands of people on the front line. So it's important that we it's important that we so it's really important that we circulate stories around where Bitcoin is being used to uphold democracy. It's being used to uh it's being used in a fight for freedom. Because, again, that's fundamentally what gives Bitcoin value. Uh, back to the protest. I hope and pray that whatever change happens in the country happens peacefully. And whatever change occurs brings about a fruitful and progressive country. Like I said, Genesis Block Education will be watching closely. The final word um, of, of thoughts and prayers goes out to the protesters that and, and victims of SARS. To wrap up, please check my show notes if you want to read. And as a final reminder, please make sure you like, share, tell your friends about me. I'm Bitcoin by Malks, and this is Genesis Blocker.